0: Of God's creation, God did create angels first, and that's where you see the first delegation of authority. That's where you see God delegating authority or tasks to people or individuals to represent him. So, we're going to start there. Here we go. So, when you read in the Bible, you see that there is actually three types of angels. The Bible only mentions three angels by name, and it's understood by theologians much smarter than myself that these three angels represent three delegated positions in heaven. And usually throughout the Bible, when you read about angels, you see them doing one of these three tasks, pretty much just, just on repeat. So the first one that we read about in Daniel chapter 9, verses 21 through 22, is Gabriel. And Gabriel represents a branch of the angel community, which is known as the messenger angels, which means they author, they are, they had God delegated authority to them to represent him and deliver a message. Is God capable of booming from the heavens and just being like, hey, here's the message? Sure, absolutely, but he delegated this task to angels, and we see here as Gabriel is, uh, is, is performing this task in verse 21, it says, and as I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice, and he explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding, meaning I've come to bring you a word from God and then make sure you understand it before I dip out of here, like that's what, that's what, uh, that's what Gabriel's role was. That's the first angel that we read about. The second, the second type of angel that we read about is warring angels, and we see that with Michael. Michael represents the, the host of God's army, meaning that God has angels that he has delegated to fight for him in the spiritual realm. And so Michael represents this. He is the—he's there—when Michael shows up, it's going to go down, usually. Every time you read about him, he's, it's, time to, it's time to roll. He's not here to deliver a message. He's here to, he's here to war— And so all throughout the Old Testament, you see instances where God has delegated his authority. Is God all powerful? Yes. Could he have handled situations? Sure. But he delegated this authority to these angelic beings to fight on his behalf. And 2 Kings gives us a great example of that. As Elisha and his servant are surrounded by a physical army. They're surrounded by a physical army and you can see that the servant is starting to stress out. Because all he sees is a physical army after him. And Elisha prays and says, God, I ask that you open his eyes. So he opens his eyes, and he looks up. And what does he see? He sees a host of, of angels surrounding him with chariots of fire, meaning they weren't coming for a message. They were coming to fight. Like there was warring angels. And God delegated that authority off. And then the third angels type of angel that we hear about um, is the worshiping angels. And these angels exist to worship God. And, of course, the most popular, infamous one that we read about is Lucifer. And the Bible does specifically mention him by name because it seems like he was given the most authority out of all of these different angels. So God delegates authority. Did God know that the authority would turn into a bad thing? I believe he did, but he still delegates authority and lets individuals make their choices. And he started this with angels before he ever even created humanity. But the Bible tells us that Lucifer was a little bit different. He had a little bit more authority and that he was the angel that covered and guarded the glory of God. So that was his job. He was guarding the glory of God. And it was all fine and good until he decided that the authority that God delegated to him, eh, just wasn't quite enough. He wanted more power. He wanted more authority than what God had originally given, given him. And Ezekiel chapter 28 verses 13 through 17 tells us a little bit about the gifts and the authority given to Lucifer. As you were in Eden, it's talking about Lucifer, the worshiping angel, at least he was supposed to. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone, red carnelian, pale green peridot, white moonstone, blue, blue green barrel, onyx, green jasper. Oh, This is a good one. Blue lapis lazuli. Sounds like a pasta dish. Turquoise and emerald. All beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold you were they were given to you on the day you were created i ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian you had access to the holy mountain of god and you walked among the stones of fire you were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned so i banished you in disgrace from the mountain of god i expelled you o mighty guardian from the place among your stones of fire Your heart was filled with pride because of your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupt by your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground. So there's a saying in the business world, power corrupts, right? Meaning that with authority, a lot of time, if a person is not true and good in their heart, comes a desire for more authority. And you might think that that started with your coworker (laughs) who got a title and is just like the worst. (laughs) <laughs> but it didn't. This concept didn't even start with humanity. It started with the very first time God delegated authority, and he gave it off, and Lucifer instantly was like, yeah, this is great, but uh, dude was standing in the mountain of God. Among, I don't even know what the stones of fire are, but he's hanging out up there, and it wasn't enough for him, and it shows, it shows this instance that when authority is delegated, God doesn't just strike somebody down. He, he kind of allows that to play out when, when we make our choices with it, It didn't work out for Lucifer. Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 9 introduces us again to Michael, who when he shows up is just here to fight. It says, and there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought with his angels and prevailed not. Neither was this place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, everybody say the whole world, was cast out onto the earth, and his angels were cast out with him take that, you're out of here, yes, the good guys won, ah, but wait, where was he cast out to, oh man, he's cast out to earth, that's where we're at, right, so it's like, it's cool, but man, that's also inconvenient, because the authority that God delegated to Lucifer, he removed him from heaven, but he didn't remove his authority, he didn't remove his gifts, he didn't remove the things that he created him to be, which is you see those working still in the world just with sin as opposed to what they were created to be. And so now we see Satan referred to differently in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Now he's referred to as the God of this world. And it says that he blinds the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So the same influence and authority that Lucifer caused one-third of the angels to sin and fall down to the earth, he now is turning his focus on humanity. And so we started at Genesis 1 and 1, which in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So now we're caught up. We're on the earth. Here comes these fallen angels, Lucifer with all of his bad intentions, but we see God creating Adam and he gives Adam again for the second time. He delegates authority and he delegates it to Adam. And he says, Hey, here's what I need you to do. I need you to rule over the earth and subdue it. No problem. Let's do it. Starts naming animals. He's having a relationship with God. And then we know the story, right? The old serpent comes up. Serpent comes up. tempts them just like he tempts everybody. They fall into sin. And now we have a situation on earth where the earth is plagued with sin. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says it like this. Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. So now on earth we see there's an overarching authority. It's an authority that was misused from the beginning, but now it covers all of humanity. Satan and his authority to influence leads to sin. Sin leads to death, and death culminates in the finality of the grave. Not a cool story, but the reality is, is we were all born under this authority on this earth. All of us were. Psalms chapter 51, verse 5 says it like this: I was Shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now as the story of humanity becomes intertwined with the story of God's angels, we see the struggle of humanity against the absolute authority of sin and death on the earth. And you know what? It did not go well. It actually got so bad that God repented that he ever made man and wiped out everything that was living with the flood, with the exception of Noah, his family, and just a few animals. Like it got that bad on earth. The authority of sin was just rampant. And so when we pick up later in the New Testament, we see that, that Noah survives with his family, but we don't read anywhere where God took away the authority of sin. He never took it away. It still exists. So fast forward a few years later, humanity again is under this overarching authority of death and the grave and sin and separated from God. And God looks down and he says, hey, I'm going to send something to humanity. And he sends down what's called the law in the Old Testament. And the law did one thing. It was able to point to sin. So it didn't have authority over sin, but it was at least able to point to it. Meaning, hey, that's really bad to stay away from it. So it was like a, just like an early warning system, but it, it didn't necessarily have any authority over it. So with the law in place, a few chosen people in a small area called Israel, when we read the Bible, we're talking about A very small portion of the entire earth right very very small and we're reading about a very small group of people that are in israel they're huddled away sticking to the law as much as they can and attempting to stave off the authority of sin that is running rampant throughout the world it's not a real pretty picture it's not great but all this time god was watching from heaven waiting for the perfect time to do something he had never done before And that's actually changed the authority structure as it related to humanity. He had delegated once to angels. It didn't go well. He delegated once to a man. It did not go well. You can imagine he's a little frustrated. He has all power. He has all authority. When he shares it, it's it's just not working out with with uh, with these individuals. So while God retained that authority, humanity lived under the authority of the fallen angel, the authority of sin, the authority of death. And the authority of, gra- of the grave all started with the abuse of delegated authority that God gave away in the first place. Until one day, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 tells us that something actually shifted in the atmosphere. And Isaiah 9, 6, a lot of you are familiar with us, tells us about a time when a child is born into the earth who is not born into sin. It says that unto us a son is given. Unto us a child is born, and his, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And we know that when Jesus was born, literally time shifted. Literally. We still refer to the time differently today. From the birth of Jesus, everything shifted. But Jesus was born, but he, he had to live out his life. So he was born, and he was sinless, and he was spotless. And you see that as he grows up, we read, of, we read of him growing up and starting his ministry, and he goes out. One of the first things he does is he turns water into wine. He starts healing the sick, and he starts casting out devils. And for the first time on this planet, for the first time in the history of humanity, an authority existed on this earth that was greater than the authority of sin and the authority of death and the authority of the grave. For the first time... But the devil who's aware of this is not real, not real pumped that Jesus exists. And so this, this fallen angel that we hear about, Lucifer, he's not all throughout the Bible. He's just referred to as the devil. But you, you see that he, he manifests himself again as a person, and he meets up with Jesus after a 40-day fast. Jesus has just fasted for 40 days. He's feeling very weak. And we see that Satan shows up with one goal. His goal isn't to kill him. His goal is to get him to sin. His goal is to get him to tempt him and to get him to fall under the authority of the rest of the world that it's always been under. Because guess what, guys? Lucifer is undefeated when it comes to temptation leading to sin. He's, he's, he's never had anybody resist him, and he's never had anybody succeed. And so he comes to Jesus, and he starts showing him the kingdoms of the world. Says, hey, look, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'm going to give you the kingdoms of the world. I'll make you great. I'm going to do all of this stuff. And you know what Jesus does? He rebukes him, and he steps away, and the devil, it says the devil departed from him. Seems like a relatively insignificant line when we read it in the Bible, but it was not insignificant because Jesus exercised authority that was greater than the temptation of Lucifer. It was greater than the temptation, but he didn't stop there. Jesus continues his ministry after exercising that authority, and in Matthew chapter 9, verses 2 through 8, it tells us of another time when Jesus is out doing his ministry, he's healing the sick, he's teaching. And it says that some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Just rolled a man on a mat. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, be encouraged, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, that's blasphemy. Imagine, just right there. They might have screamed it. That's blasphemy. I don't know how they did it. They they were ticked, though. Does he think he's God? Question mark. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up. And went home, and fear swept through the crowd as they saw that this happened, and they praised God for giving humans such authority. You see Jesus here that's looking, and in front of all of these people, this guy came to get healed. And he says, You know what? Your sins are forgiven you. That might seem like, hey, we can come to a church every day and get our sins forgiven, right? Nah, not here. Not under the law, not in the old testament, not where Jesus was standing because right there, everybody that sinned, that led to death. And there was an authority that said, hey, man, you can't just have your sins forgiven, not without a sacrifice, not without all of this, all of this ritual stuff. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And in that moment, he has exercised authority over sins on earth. And it didn't stop there because when Jesus goes to the cross, he goes to the cross and we know the story, he hangs on the cross. And he ultimately dies and is put into a grave. And three days later, he, raises, he rises up from the grave. But when he rises up from the grave, if it's not just like a symbolic, hey, Jesus was dead and now he's alive. Nah, no, he is exercising authority over death itself. Meaning that he now has control over the temptation that Lucifer would try to tempt us with. He now has control over sin and he can forgive sin. And now he has authority over death and over who stays in the grave. And so today when we're thinking about delegated authority and we're thinking about, hey, what what is all all this talk about authority? We have to recognize that there was a man named Jesus who not so long ago came and walked on this earth for one purpose, to draw a clear line in the sand. And on one side of it, you still have the authority of sin. You still have the authority of death. You still have the authority of all of the stuff that's in the world. He didn't take it away. It's still there. And we can choose that today if we want to. But he gave a clear line and he said, but hey, if you choose to follow me, I want you to know that I have taken authority over all of that. And so today, if we're here, there's one person who can forgive every sin that you've ever committed. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done. He can forgive every sin you've ever committed. If you have a sickness, if you have temptation from the enemy, it doesn't matter. There is the highest authority here. And he's in this place this morning. And he's saying, hey, if you come unto me, you don't have to worry about these guys. You don't have to worry about this mob in the corner. I can have authority over all of those things, and I can change your life. So as we stand and the praise team comes up here, and we're talking about delegated authority, just want to end with Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 19. It says, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't just take all authority when he came and he walked on the earth. He also left us with a charge. He delegated that authority that he gave in the very beginning, and he delegated it back to us. If you're here today and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, and you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, you can can do that today pastor is going to preach a message there's going to be an altar call and you can receive that authority that God took back when Jesus walked on this earth. So today as we get ready and we go back into this worship service, I wonder if we can praise him. I wonder if we can worship him. And I wonder if we can do it with the mindset that hey, you know what? I don't have to live under anything that this world puts on me. I don't have to live under the weight of sin. I don't have to live under the guilt of yesterday. But I'm going to get a hold of Jesus. And I know that he's capable of forgiving me. Amen. Let's praise him. Thank you, Jesus.